Welcome to episode 77 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Danielle Dietz-Lavolsi, founder and president of Nutso, co-founder of Project Left Behind, and mother on the podcast. I had the pleasure of connecting with Danielle since I recently joined the Nutso family as an athlete ambassador. I first heard of Nutso through Lindsay Cotter, a gluten-free goddess and running on OM podcast interviewee number 48. After my interview with Lindsay, I went out and bought a jar of Nutso and was hooked honestly from the first spoonful. It is the only seven nut and seed butter on the planet and it truly has a -a one-of-a-kind delicious taste. In this podcast, Danielle, founder and president of Nutso, will share her incredible story of starting the company and so much more. Before we get into the interview with Danielle, I want to share with the Running on Ohm community that in mid-October, I'm headed to work with the Yaya Girls Running Program in Ethiopia. I'm trying to raise $5,000 by Wednesday, September 24th, and this money will go towards funding four girls for a trimester and also pay for food, supplies, and equipment. I'll be teaching English, gender empowerment, and yoga and mindfulness practices to the girls on a daily basis. It would be amazing if you could support my campaign in any way, whether that's donating it $5 or sharing it on your Facebook, it would mean the world to me. To learn more and donate, check out startsomegood.com slash empoweryayagirls. If you didn't catch that, the donation link will be in the show notes on runningonohm.com. Let's jump into the show with Danielle. In this episode, Danielle shares why she started Nutso, the only seven nut and seed butter on the planet, her journey adopting her sons from the Ukraine, how risk-taking is essential in starting one's own business. Nutso's biggest breakthrough when it was featured on the Dr. Oz show, why Danielle's mantra is live like you mean it, what inspired her to found her nonprofit Project Left Behind that works with orphaned and neglected children around the world, who has been a mentor for Danielle, her favorite way to eat Nutso and the most unexpected place she has come across Nutso, upcoming projects for Nutso, Project Left Behind, and her family. All this and more on this episode of the Running on Ohm podcast. Oh. Welcome, Danielle, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and finally be able to talk to you. So thank you for being a big nutso advocate and fanatic. I love it. Now, I know you've told this story hundreds of times, but why did you start Nutso? Well, yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I think, um, just to back up a little bit, I think we're all here for a reason. And, um, you know, it's kind of like our life isn't just one journey, but it's all these little chapters in between. And so I was at this, like, really um, new chapter in my life. Um, My husband, who had been in the military for 10 years as a Navy pilot uh, and flew P3s out of Maine, ironically, Um, we had dated for a long time, and I had a daughter um, from a previous marriage, and um, Kevin, like, stepped in, my husband now, and and Jackie's, um, you know, person who she called her father, had stepped in when I was just 23, so I was still really young, Um, I was finishing up my degree at Fordham University in the Bronx, and so we dated for a while, then... Um, finally got married and, and um, we're living in Fairfield, Connecticut. And when he was able to um, basically, after 10 years and three deployments of six months apiece, 
he said to me, hey, where do you want to go? Because we can move anywhere. And I had gone through those three uh, deployments. And I said, well, my sister's out in California, so I'd love to go out there. And Jackie was just in fourth grade, so it was like good timing for her. And so we did it. We just kind of picked up. And it was kind of, I've always had that um, live life to the fullest mentality. So that was definitely a part of who I was and wanting to travel. And um, so we moved out to California and we were staying with my sister and her husband. They were newlyweds uh, in San Diego and trying to figure out what I was going to do as a job. Um, you know, my background was sales and marketing. And then my husband had just gotten a job with um, pharmaceutical sales. So he's out of the military. He's doing the reserve they call it, where he's still in um, flying on the weekends, but his he's got a full-time job as a civilian now, um, so and that was going to be in medical, or in um, pharmaceutical. So uh, we move out, and we were staying with my sister, because we don't even have a place yet, and um, there was a 2020 on the Romanian orphanages um, that was around, this was 1999, so it was that fall, and it was on a Friday, so it was the end of the week, it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had, you know, heard about orphanages, we all have, you know, heard about the horrendousness of it all, and these kids living in places, I mean, we've all been, you know, it's not like you've never heard of, you know, what's going on with children around the world. And it was just kind of a weird place in my life. And I've never thought about adopting. Some people I've met have been thinking about adopting their whole life. And, um, you know, that definitely wasn't, you know, where I was at all. And quite honestly, my husband and I had had some really thorough discussions on having more kids. And he was great with Jackie and loved her to death. But he came from eight kids in his family. So having children family, I didn't need him to be eight kids, but he really, you know, thought he wanted more kids. And I just knew innately, call it spiritually, whatever, like I'm a big one on my sixth sense or, you know, who I am. And I just really didn't feel like I was ever having any more biological children. So we had these big discussions, you know, dating. And finally, we both concluded, um, you know, we loved each other and we're meant to be together. And that we uh, would basically, when Jackie was in college, we would, um, you know, buy Harleys and travel all over the world like we just because we love to travel and I've always been into seeing the world and you know the excitement of it all so um so that was the plan but it's always funny how you make plans right so that's so then fast forward we're back out in uh in San Diego in 99 we happened to see this Romanian orphanage and um it was terrific and a lot of people have seen it but the kids were tied up on the sides of the hallways, they wouldn't get out of the cribs. Um, I mean, I'm talking four-year-olds that were still crib-bound. It was just wow. incredibly like painful to watch. So we didn't say anything but good night. We went to sleep, and um, the next morning, uh, Jackie was, you know, like, gosh, she must have been nine or ten. And she uh, has always wanted a brother or sister, and she's always been throwing pennies and wishing wells, and Kevin and I would just kind of laugh silently, like, oh, yeah, okay, you know? And so I was just so, like, it still was bothering me the next morning, and I said to Jackie, I'm like, hey, what do you think about, like, if we adopted a little brother or sister? And she, of course, she was all over it. That was, like, I knew how that was going to go. And then um, I just put down, we had a um, 12-year-old Rottweiler that had bone cancer and when we moved we brought her out with us um and then we had to put her to sleep and it was like a few weeks before that and that was really devastating for me and I was just like gosh I mean I didn't obviously we give birth to her and like she's such a part of the family 
and Kevin had been such an amazing dad. I'm like, I know, I know I could do this. You know, it's what I believe. Like it's not the sperm donor or the egg donor. It's the person, you know, the caregiver raising the child. So, um, Kevin called me like he always did uh, at lunchtime. And, um, I just was like, Hey, you know, we chit chat for a little bit and I was my typical self and just kind of directly to the point. And I just said, um, you know, that 2020 last night was unbelievable. And I've just really been thinking about it. And I, um, really, uh, you know, I think we should adopt. We both have amazing families and, uh, you know, I think we could give this child an amazing life. So, um, I said, what do you think? And it was the sweetest thing he's ever said to me in the 22 years we've been together. He said, that's why I married you. And he didn't skip a beat. So it was pretty awesome. Um, so that's what we did. We kind of just, uh, fast forward and, um, it, everything like, I believe when you're doing anything in life to do, like, I really believe we're all here for a reason and that, you know, it's finding out what we're supposed to do and it's not necessarily saving the world, but like it's our place in the world. And um, it's amazing when you're on the right path because everything just falls in a line. So we um, could have had biological children, which a lot of people that adopt can't, and um, that's totally great. But we uh, weren't in like this, you know, a lot of people that if they've done in vitro and stuff, they're waiting like years and finally come to the adoption crossroad because it's just not working. And so, um, you know, it's, it's much more stressful, but they've been, you know, wanting to have a child for maybe two or three years. Um, we met some great friends and then that was the case and that's awesome. But we just really felt like since we could have had our own that, you know, we took an older child and, you know, that would be great because the statistics for older children are even more horrific of what will happen and, you know, the possibility of getting adopted. So unfortunately, Romania closed down and, uh, that was kind of a bummer, but it was a lot of it was due to that uh, 2020 because it was a sensationalized um, topic in the news. And unfortunately, um, the Romanian government was not uh, was not okay with that. And so they basically shut down all the international adoptions. So we the next next thing that happened was Ukraine actually opened up, which was pretty close to Romania. So we, uh, started becoming friends with one of the couples that just adopted there and that seemed like a great fit. Um, I had gotten a full-time job in radio sales and so um, fast forward in 2002 we did all there's tons of paperwork in adopting it's like it's unbelievable I mean you get you know fingerprinted from the FBI and all kinds of home studies and you've got to go get your uh, apostle seals from everywhere and all these raised seals and everything so you know I was flying back to New York I mean all kinds of things but you finally get the okay and the okay from the Ukrainian government and then uh, I got a call I was actually out in Vegas on business and they said there was a three and a half year little boy um, they didn't have any specifics on him I didn't see a picture or anything and that he was available if he wanted to come and adopt him so we had we said sure I mean why not and um, we basically boarded a plane in a one week from that phone call with Jackie in tow and we went to uh, the Ukraine and Mikolai and met our son who was three and a half years old at the time. So what all that brings up is that, you know, Jackie was always way above on the 95 percentile on height and weight and everything. So you have to take clothes over to meet your son and or your daughter. And so I had packed some uh, 3T which is pretty normal for a three and a half year old. Some of them could even be too small, 
for Gregory. And uh, when we met him, he was like an 18-month-old, which is really startling. Uh, he was very undernourished. Um, he had very thinning hair. We, we got him home. We found out he was in the, um, under the 5 percentile on height and weight. So he was a little string bean. And um, he did not enjoy eating. So they had eaten a lot of porridges and they, as a treat, sometimes they would get bananas, but that's super soft. So it was such a big challenge to get him to eat anything that was healthy. And I was, I love to cook and I was in the super into health and nutrition just as a hobby, but you know, read tons of books about it and stuff. So I was racking my brain and he would not eat animal protein. So I had to come up with a vegan source of protein. The animal protein was just so chewy that he would chew it and chew it and chew it. And then he would just spit it out. Like he just couldn't chew and swallow. He was just not ready for that yet. Now he's fine, but back then he was not. So you kind of covet what you love. And I grew up on Jeff Smooth. I uh, by the spoonfuls out of the jar when I was a kid uh, with my sister. My mom would have a heart attack if she knew that. And um, used to get these stomach aches to go along with it. But anyway, um, I obviously got into health and nutrition, so I never saw a nut or a, a peanut that I didn't like. And I love nut butters. So I decided, knowing that a peanut is really a legume, that I would take the peanuts and the great source of protein, and I would combine them with uh, nuts and seeds and I create this like mega uber healthy superfood for Gregory that I could put on an apple or a banana. And um, and the people that you know about nutrition is that we should eat a wide variety of different things, not just almonds or just peanuts, because there's nutritional value and vitamins and minerals that are unique to each individual source. So like walnuts have certain vitamins and minerals that an almond doesn't necessarily have. So um, anyway, I'm making this creation in my food processor and Greg would eat it. He'd eat it on apple or banana and I was adding flaxseed for the mega-3s and it was delicious by the way. <laughs> so I was eating a ton of it too. And this one day, my husband's awesome because I'll make these great meals and stuff and he always does the dishes and he turns to me and I was like going through this midlife crisis at 40, like I call it my positive midlife crisis and just knowing I wanted to start my own business and do something and I tried a lot of different avenues and talked to patent attorneys and always brainstorming. But he turned to me and he said, Danielle, why don't you just buy this stuff? And he was like frustrated and his hands were on his head and he was just like so frustrated. And I guess like cleaning nut butter out of a food processor is slightly annoying. And so long story short, it was the aha moment. And um, so that's how Nutso was born, the genesis of Nutso. Wow, that is quite a story. And it's pretty incredible. It sounds like how supportive your husband has been of you and your whole journey from before Nutso with your children. He definitely sounds like an amazing man. Quite honestly, you know, we're like any couple. We obviously have our little disagreements and things like that. But I have always said, like, I don't know too many guys that would be, I mean, he is very supportive. Like, I couldn't do it without him kind of thing. And it's pretty amazing. And he is. He's an awesome dad. He's just wonderful. So, um, but like I said, he's not in, you know, he's human, but he's, he's amazing. He really is. He's perfect fit for me. So it's awesome. Yeah. Now, starting your own company, I know many people have big dreams and big goals and projects out there. And at times, you know, at the beginning, it can be slow to start, slow to get recognition. What for you, was there ever any moments where you doubted when you started Not So, whether it could survive the future of it? And also, what kind of advice do you have people who are embarking on projects or new companies in staying through and staying the course? 
Yeah, it's a, that's a great question because it is so difficult. I mean, just before you even launch the project, like I always say we're our own worst enemies. Like you can talk yourself out of anything. So it's really difficult sometimes to just make that jump or that leap the career or, you know, starting your own business because we can be our biggest, you know, naysayers. Um, and it's not necessarily great to go to family and friends. You could also not be, you know, they, even though they're family or friends, they might not live the lifestyle or, you know, understand what you're trying to do. So um, I, I like to consider myself like um, I'm cautiously um, a risk taker, a cautious risk taker, you know. Um, I like to think it all through and stuff. Um, definitely do your research. I went to a lot of expos before I launched Nutso. Um, I even hired a coaching team that had um, experience in the food industry. And what, what was great about that is because I worked on this project, um, like I had all the previous ones that never went anywhere. But I worked on it while I had a full-time job and being a mom and, you know, and your time just kind of gets away with you. And, you, and if you don't really um, put it down in writing, then you three weeks might go by and you think you just worked on it last week. So it was a great way of using the coaching to be able to, you know, hold myself accountable that in two weeks I would do three things, you know, that were on the list. And it was also great to have an outside source that wasn't necessarily a friend or a family that could tell me if they thought I was absolutely, you know, if it was if it wasn't going to work, you know, in their opinion. So um, that was super instrumental. And, you know, as far as doubting, I mean, that's like every day of your life, right? You just kind of have to blaze on and, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I always say the hardest thing, because I was almost turning 40, so a little different scenario. If I'd have done it when I, you know, there's always pros and If I'd have done it when I was younger, because I think, you know, I was definitely an entrepreneur at heart, you don't have all the golden handcuffs or you're not, you don't have a family and you know, we live in California where it's definitely a two household income. So it's like never perfect timing. And it's always hard when I was really, I mean, I had no reason not to like what I was doing. I was working in radio sales. I had a great job, amazing perks, great bosses, like everything was perfect. And I would like for five years up until that point, I was freaking miserable. Like there was, so, I was like driving myself crazy, and I—that's why I call it my positive midlife crisis. Like I believe it was really the universe trying to get me to like, you know, just stay, figure out what I'm supposed to do, and just let them guide me, kind of thing. And it's interesting how life works. I kind of am, am amazed by it. But I would definitely say making the plunge because there was nothing worse than I wanted to do than. I had to try it when I knew that it was such a great idea and like it was, you know, could really have legs was, you know, what happens if I didn't do it? And then I turned and I was 80 someday and I'd stayed in the same job and, you know, the what ifs, like the worst thing that can happen is I'd have to go back and work at, you know, the radio station, which obviously I left on good terms and I was an amazing account executive. So it was, you know, what, that was the worst case scenario. And I had to keep telling myself that and, and that made it easier. Although I didn't, uh, I didn't even get rid of my suits until like six months after I launched Nutso, you know, in stores. Cause I was always like using it as a, finally I'm like, all right, I'm getting, giving them the goodwill, you know, I'm, I'm burning my uh, boats kind of thing. So and when not so really did start to take off the ground and, you know, got those legs, what would you consider was the biggest breakthrough moment for the company? Well, 
I would have to say. I mean, we've had some great breakthroughs, but the biggest one, and I don't even know if you know this, was that um, was the Dr. Oz moment. Did you hear about that? I did, yeah, I did. Okay, I yeah, that was tell huge. The story. That was like universe, like, it was like crazy. I mean, it was everything was aligned, and there's some definitely other higher things working out there for us, but... I had heard about Dr. Oz, obviously, on Oprah. He didn't even have his own show. And um, I was thinking to myself, wow, he'd be a great person that would love nutso kind of thing. And I love marketing. is my favorite part of any kind of sales. So I did some sleuthing around, found where he worked, and sent him a jar of nutso. So then, uh, like, it was definitely like a month and a half later, I get this random email, and it's from him. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, that's crazy. He's really to the point. He's just like, I get tons of free stuff. He's like, I just wanted to email you and let you know that this nut butter is amazing. Kudos to you. And then his last comment was, I don't endorse anything. And he signs his name. And I was like, okay. So I emailed him back. Thank you so much. It's, you know, I'm so honored that you love it, blah, blah. And I just, you know, laminated the email. And what else are you going to do? He's not going to endorse anything. So... Every like quarter, you know, every three months or so, I would send him a new package and I'd send him a little note and um, I wouldn't hear anything. And so this went on for two years. So two years, fast forward, now he has his own show and I'm DVRing it at night. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I, you know, always loved his show. So I would DVR it at night and it's August of 2011 and he's, you know, on a show now and at the end of the show he's got this red hot Dr. Oz list and it's kind of like he's endorsing things. And um, it was a Thursday night and then my husband says to me, he's like, yeah, I thought he didn't endorse anything. That's all he says. You know, and I'm like, I know. So go to bed the next day. I want to do yoga at noon, and I'm like, oh shoot, I was going to email Dr. Oz. So I, you know, I have my laminated copy, and um, I go to email, and I'm like, well, I'm sure this doesn't even work. It's going to bounce back, and you know, it's probably, you know, obviously it's not going to be the same email. But I email anyway, and <laughs> so automatically, boom, I get back, and it says, you know, if I'm having a heart attack, dial nine one one, and if I have an idea for the show, you know, email this producer, that producer, whatever. It was just, you know, obviously it was not a um, an email address that was live. So I was like, darn it all. So I emailed all those producers just for the heck of it. And I go to yoga, get out of yoga, and um, oh my gosh, I've got an email from Dr. Oz again. <laughs> and he says to me, he's again to the point, he's like, well, how many stores are you in? Because I had said to him, listen, like, love your show, congratulations, and if you ever need me to give out samples for your audience members, I would love that, because that's what that red hot list was all about. So his one question back to me is, how many stores are you in? And I was like, oh. Well, I mean, like 200 at this point, 250, whatever it was, you know, it's been two years. So, um, but then when I look back and I saw when I had sent him the first jar, I think I was in like 40, you know, so it's pretty funny. But I'm still only on the West Coast. I'm not on the East Coast yet. So he tells me that he's going to have some producers calling me and that it's a great timing because they're um, working on a show and that they might be interested. So long, long story short, because it went back and forth with a couple of different producers, um, September 19th. We found out a week before the show aired that he wanted to do um, a pyramid of nutso. And I only have the original. I didn't have the power fuel or anything yet. I don't 
think. Maybe I had it, but it was still in plastic. That's what it was. So I had power fuel and I had the original, but they were in plastic jars. They weren't even in the glass. So he wants to make a pyramid. So the producers want me to send enough product to make a pyramid. So I'm pretty certain that it's going to be something to do with omega-3 since we're high in omega-3s and he's all about omega-3s. Um, and they wouldn't tell me anything else. And I had, we were doing a web campaign as well. So his web department, the, the head of it, this guy had told me, he's like, oh, I saw the tape and it's amazing. Um, but of course he didn't tell me what it was about. And I'm like, well, that's great. So I'm like, well, I probably should do a manufacturer run. And my husband was like, well, how do you even know you're going to sell any? I'm like, well, it is national. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to sell something, you know? So I do a little manufacturing run and then I have been on a lot, I mean, we've been blessed, we've been on a lot of different shows and in magazines, and um, but it's always like the Today Show, you know, I was on, I wasn't personally on, but Nutso was on with like Al Roker, and like, it's like at the very tail end, they're trying to go to like the credits of the newscast, and Al's like, you know, talking about the weather, and then, oh, there's Nutso, and boom, it's gone, you know, it was never anything like amazing. So I'm a little jaded at this point anyway, and just kind of talking, my, I don't want to be disappointed, so... I'm sitting in my office like I am today, and on the East Coast, it airs at 4 p.m., so it's 1 o'clock my time, and uh, my mom and dad are in their house watching it. My sister, who lives a mile away, is watching it, and nobody will watch it together because they all want their own space, and then I'm in the office trying to get work done. It's now 1.45, and I have not heard from anyone, so I am not in the best of mood because I'm like, great, you know, this is really going nowhere. So I can't handle it anymore, and I call my mom, and so my mom answers the phone, and she's real upbeat, and she's like, oh, you know, and I'm like, really? I'm like, it's not on yet. I mean, 15 more minutes. I'm like, come on. I'm like, what's the show even about? And she's like, well, I'm sure, and then she stops, and she's like, oh, and she goes, oh, oh. Oh, and she can't talk. And she's like, she's in this like spasmy, can't talk, hyperventilating mode. And I'm like, what is going on? What's up? What's wrong, mom? What's wrong? She's like, and she's almost in tears. And then my sister's trying to call through and there's nothing worse than not knowing what is going on. So here, he's been teasing the whole show as the number one thing he can't live without. And my mom knew that they were going to be doing some sort of pyramid, so she already had that in her head. And so each time they take a break, like when I called, they'd be teasing, like, and coming up, the number one thing Dr. Oz can't live without. And um, then at the particular point when I called, they showed the pyramid, but it was uh, shadowed, so you couldn't see what it was. But, of course, my mom knew what it was. So that was the big, um, amazing moment. So we basically blew up uh, from there. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, it blew up to millions or anything like that, but it helped us get onto the East Coast because people were, you know, going into natural food stores and asking for Nutso to be on the store shelf. So it was amazing. It was really amazing. That is pretty incredible how everything <laughs> aligned for you in that moment and you really didn't have any power or control over how it was presented and it really worked out. It was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. One of your mantras or kind of power statements that you associate with Nutso is live like you mean it. How does your work with Project Left Behind embody that statement? And for listeners who don't know what Project Left Behind is, explain a little bit. Yeah, I love that statement. Live like you mean it. Um, I just, I'm all about it. I had a friend from college and he said, you know, you want to get good right out of life. You're going to come in like skidding with your shoes. There'll be no tread on your shoes. Um, and you know, your hair is all crazy. And 
And it's a true statement in a positive way. You know, I'm just, life is so short and we've had enough just personal instances where that's been so blatantly obvious that life is so short. So um, I have, and I've always had that just kind of innately feeling inside me. And it's just as the older I get, the more profound and kind of, um, you know, it's just more kind of uh, loud and, and less like in the background in my own conscience. So, um, and live like you mean it. I love it. And that is truly my statement. But the way Project Left Behind got started, and it was kind of a no-brainer when we launched Nutso, is that, um, you know, we would go over to this orphanage. We went over in 2005 and got Matthew, who was one and a half years old. And he wasn't nearly as vitamin deficient as Greg was, but he still definitely was vitamin deficient. So, but you go over there, and it was a different orphanage. Saying it was Ukraine, but it was a different orphanage. And these kids, like they kind of, well, they do haunt you. Um, and you can kind of see like where Brad and Angelina, Angelina, um, you know, keep adopting and stuff. Like it's just there's so many kids, and the statistics in Ukraine at the time are crazy. And not that it's any better today with everything that's going on, but you know, um, kids get moved up into the next level of care at age four. So Greg was almost there. Like he was going to be moved up into the next level of care, which is even worse. There's a lot more abuse and neglect and crazy stuff going on in the institutions. And then they tap out of, or they did tap out of the system at 14 years old. And Greg today is 15 and a half. So um, to think that he'd be out on the streets, they, he would be uneducated, um, he's highly intelligent, uh, he's uh, got Asperger's, or they would label him as Asperger's, um, and a lot of people that have Asperger's have high intelligence, but, um, you know, it's very mild, but anyway, he uh, would never have had glasses, and he loves to read, like, he's got kind of a photographic memory, especially with planes and stuff, so he's, he's amazing, but would never have had glasses, he has 200 and uh, by 200 vision or something crazy. So his eyes actually, um, uh, what's the word they, you know, the one eye goes into the nose, like it's, it's cross-eyed. Uh, and he would, you know, the statistics on these kids is that they're suicidal drugs, alcohol, and obviously prostitution. So just horrific stuff. And it, it haunts you and all the kids, you get to know them because you're hanging out with them for three weeks and you have names for them. Like you call them, you know, these little names that you've made up for them and stuff. And they like, really, it's so, it's hard for me to even think about where some of those where those kids are right now because um, they won't all get adopted. They just, they don't. And the statistics are very small for kids, especially in the older um, age groups. So it was just heartbreaking. So when we started Nutso, I knew and Kevin knew that we wanted to somehow like give back. I mean, that's the story of Nutso. And we want to do something bigger than, obviously, we can only adopt so many kids, but how can we reach more children? So a lot of great orphanages, or orphanages, a lot of great uh, nonprofits out there. But one of our biggest things is, like, we wanted 100% of private donations and nutso donations to go to the kids. So um, we just, you know, and it's kind of a pain to start your own 501c3 with all the paperwork and stuff, but we just wanted to really be a part of it. And we also wanted to have the 
hand in who we're helping. And um, I go to every orphanage we support. Uh, I had told you earlier, you know, we have, uh, we just started doing trips down there for moms. We call them the escape trips and kind of inspiring people. And then we go down to a couple of the projects and the orphanages that we support in Peru, um, which is unbelievable. It really was unbelievable. And we had our first one in May. Um, but it's like why I'm here on earth. Like I really believe that and know that. And so uh, so we started Project Left Behind, and it's for all the kids we had to leave behind, unfortunately. Um, and 100% of the proceeds from Nutso and private donations go to the projects. And we really support um, these organizations. Uh, one of them is in Nepal, and two of them are in Peru. And we've been—I've been all over. I've been to Thailand and Panama, and and we wanted to partner with people that a. Um, we're like new like us and little like us and sometimes it's so hard to be the, the underdog or this you know the small company trying to play big in a big world and um, so these projects we support they this one in particular wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for us and they have six kids um, in Peru Rita and Norbert they're amazing they're like in their um, well, Norbert just turned 60 and, you know, they should be retiring, but they're starting an orphanage and they, uh, Rita had been down in Peru in a town that's outside of, um, the sacred Valley. And she had been up in some ruins and she just had this like, um, epiphany or this overwhelming feeling that like she was meant to come and actually live and help the indigenous people and so they're like amazing so there's they've just started this orphanage and project left behind is like the main um donor then what happens is a lot of these smaller nonprofits down in these different countries trying to help and make a difference uh they don't have the backing of the big um qualcomm stadiums or anything like that it's really hard for them to get the word out because of course they're understaffed and it's usually just a couple people and you know they're trying to keep their paperwork up in Peru um, so it's been really fun to kind of see how Project Left Behind has started um, with the orphanage in Nepal that I was my first orphanage I went to and just kind of how we've been able to figure out like where we can do the greatest good and, and what we're really good at so it's been awesome it's my favorite part of what I do. And in, in your upcoming months do you have any trips to orphanages scheduled? Yeah, so we're planning right now um, our next trip uh, to Peru. So we're taking another group, at least one more group, back to Peru, their moms, in May. So um, we're, I love Peru, and we're definitely, there's something calling us back there. So yeah, we're, it's so much fun. It's the best part of my life. And when you're in a place like Peru, what for you is it like with the nutrition there that you're seeing in the orphanages? Obviously, I imagine in your own household, there's lots of nuts, so a lot of clean and healthy food. But what is that experience like for you to go there? Yeah, so it's not what you're thinking. And a lot of them are trying to be self-sustaining. So it's actually... Um, the small orphanages, like the one we're supporting, you know, it, it makes sense in so many ways. So, like, if somebody is, has a small orphanage and they're starting it and they have six children, you know, and they're trying to make it, like, a family environment, obviously in so many ways that's healthier for the child rather than doing a large orphanage where there might be 80 kids. Um, and then that way, too, like, it's, you know, they can live off of, somewhat off of a garden and, 
Um, they can really help their nutritional balance. And what you see is when you get into, there's an orphanage that we work with um, that's also in the Sacred Valley that has 80 children. And it's an amazing orphanage. And the gentleman who started it is wonderful. He just passed away in May. But um, you can just see the difference in the the level of care when you start, you know, doing mass, um, you're, you're helping mass kids because obviously then they have to feed them in mass, but they still had, um, amazing gardens. So that's what I'm saying. It, it really is interesting. It's more, um, having the money, you know, so I guess that's the point is having the money in order to buy the seeds, to plant the gardens, right? So they really are trying to feed the children healthy, at least in these, uh, the three projects we support, as long as they have the money, they want to, you know, they want to be able to make the food and, and survive that way. So that part's pretty cool. That is definitely. Now, in all your travels and in your work with Nutso, as well as Project Left Behind, and in your own personal life, who would you say is one person that really inspires you or has been a mentor for you in your path? Hmm. Well, I had... Um, I think when I was, you know, I was in my early or actually mid twenties. I worked at Hachette Full of Pocky Magazine in New York City, and um, I had this boss. I was just an assistant, and his name was Phil, and uh, he like made everything fun. And I was kind of in a place where, you know, I kind of felt like life was like a, you know, a boxing ring where you just constantly had to like kind of fight your way out of everything. I was pretty tough and, um, you know, good heart. And I wasn't like any crazy, but, um, I definitely had the New York city Danielle, like kind of was driving my bus on a permanent level, you know, at <laughs> most point. So, um, he was just such an amazing guy because he really didn't hold grudges. He, um, took me under his wing and like could see like my potential and like how amazing, I mean, I'm not trying to, but just like he, just thinks I'm amazing and um, like just taught me like little things like you know don't burn your bridges even if somebody I mean the basic stuff we all know but it was the way he would deliver it and his belief in you know me and and how he foresaw or could sense what I was meant to do and and I always fall back on him and just cut some of his quotes and his ideas and I would say the second person and maybe she should have been the first is my mom my mom has loved me you know unconditionally and always thought I would you know reach you know sky's the limit kind of thing so um those two people have been huge in my life my mom is also a big, um, big supporter of me as well, and I'm sure she'll listen to this podcast. <laughs> I know. We take it for granted, don't we? <laughs> so bad. I'm like, really, my mom, too. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, moms are the backbones of a yeah. lot of us, including yourself. I'm sure you're the backbones of your kids. So how do you balance it all? I mean, how do you have a company, be a mother, find time for yourself, be a wife? What's your secret? Yeah, there's no secret, but you know how to balance it. I mean, the first thing I'll do is I always try to get a space for myself. So that's yoga, going for a walk with the dog. Um, you know, I, like you have to, I believe in order to be successful, you have to be able to find like an hour would be perfect in the day where like, no kidding, it's your space and you get to do what you want to do kind of thing. 
And then the other thing is um, I love working from home. I believe in this day and age we should all do virtual everything. And um, it really helps me be able to balance with the kids because I love the fact that I, you know, 90% of the time unless I'm traveling or have a meeting, I can be home when they get home. I can help with homework. I can give them a snack. And it's like all these things I wasn't unfortunately able to do with my oldest daughter, you know, that as a working mom, you love to do, but you just obviously you can't. Um, so it's just really being able to turn off the, you know, phone and the TV or the TV, the computer, um, and, and kind of focus in on your kids, which I'm not saying I'm perfect at by any stretch, but, um, but it, and it's, you know, having that quality time with one of them, it's all the standard things every parent knows they should do and just making yourself like do it, you know? So, um, and it, they, we make that's a really like a family affair and, they're proud of it and know, I mean, that it's like really about them, which is kind of cool too. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a win-win. And what for you is your favorite way of eating nutso right now? <laughs> I know. All right, let's think about this. Um, for this week. I know, because I mean, I'll go through these phases. You know, one thing that just shocked me, I've got a lot of fanatics out there that love nutso with carrots. And I mean, I don't know what it was, and I, I was I tried with a carrot, but it's never been my go-to. I mean, a lot of times I just eat it with a spoon. That's the main. But if you're talking about, like, with something, pairing it, um, I started getting it because I had a ton of carrots. Um, my sister was out, and she bought, like, these, like, five-pound bag of carrots, so we're still trying to eat them. So I've done them all up, put them in water, and I was like, i got all these carrots. What am I going to do with them? So I was eating the Power Feel Crunchy with it, and I was just telling, I forget what I was telling, but I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I love it, you know, because it's crunchy and it's really freaking good. So that's why I'm eating it right now is with, with carrots. I'm going to have to try that tonight. <laughs> I know. Because it doesn't necessarily sound like it might be a great idea, but and some people do sweet potatoes, which i got to get in them. You know, like, it's just funny to hear everybody's – I love to cook with it too, but everybody's way of, of being able to, um, to meet their palate – and what for you has been the most unexpected place that you found not so in a store or maybe in someone's household that you weren't expecting to find it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, huh. Well, I would have to say the Dr. Oz again, only because we ended up being in his people magazine as the healthiest man alive. And we didn't even know it. And actually in his refrigerator were two jars of nutso, which was pretty freaking cool. So, I mean, I knew he ate it obviously, but you always are like, maybe he's not eating it now. So that was pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. Now I know you mentioned that you're going to be returning back to Peru for project left behind, but what other projects or things should we be looking for and get excited about for you and the company in the upcoming months? Yeah, I mean, just with Nutso? Nutso, Project Left Behind, your own life. Are there any yoga classes, events, just anything that's kind of exciting or you're looking forward to right now? Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot on the horizon. Um, you know, one of the things I'm working on is to come up with a snack pack so that we have single servings, which is what I took on the plane when I flew back east this past weekend, and they're great, and I, you know, pack my carrots and my um, gluten-free crackers and stuff, but um, really want to have where it's like a little dish of nutso and then like, you know, a side of either gluten-free pretzels or something like that that you could just pick up, you know, and go and be able to eat on the go. So we're working on that right now. Um, 
we've had a lot of, uh, we just started hiring. I just hired my first employee, which is an assistant for me, which is just amazing. I, you know, knew I really needed one, but when you have your own business, it's like, you just can't afford one forever and ever and ever. So, um, she's been great and that's been so exciting for me. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Um, and then the kids and I and dad, uh, so just the boys, Jackie's actually, um, married and out of the house now, but, uh, so the boys and I, Kevin, uh, minus the dog, unfortunately, are going to Colorado uh, at the end of December through New Year's to be with friends and go snowboarding and skiing. So the boys are super excited about that because this is a group of friends that we live in the small community in San Diego that's, um, that's got a little green belt. And so uh, one of our friends have moved to Florida, but they're actually flying to Colorado to meet us with this other group of friends. So it's going to be such a fun time. So that's really exciting. Yeah, it sounds like you really are living life like you mean it in many aspects. That's really great. <clears throat> to close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Okay. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Smoothies or juices? Juices. Would you rather fly or be invisible as your superpower? Hmm, I would rather fly. And the last one is tea or coffee? Coffee for sure. <laughs> I'm icing coffee right now. Have you tried that? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, it's supposed to be less acidic, you know, and coffee is supposed to be good for you. And I don't drink a ton of it, but I like a little bit in the morning. So yeah, this new thing where you can brew cold coffee and it's so easy. You have to grind it a little bit thicker and then you use the same amount of coffee and the same amount of, like I like latte, so the same amount of water and you just put it in a strainer overnight and then you basically just, you know, lift up the strainer and let it drip out and then um, just do your coffee. Like now I do almond milk that's um, already, it's like cold pressed almond milk that is a, in a, um, it's called beaming, but it's a bar here in San Diego that's a raw bar, but it's so amazing and it's less acidic. It's And it actually tastes kind of sweet, they say, because it, you're not doing it with hot water. So it's my new thing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, it's so nice to get to know you and chat with you. I'm excited that you're on the team. Thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing your story and making the time and space. It was honestly, truly a pleasure. Well, thank you, Julia. Have a wonderful week, okay? You too. Um, thanks for listening to episode 77 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Danielle Dietz-Lavolsi, founder and president of Nutso, co-founder of Project Left Behind and Mother. If you would like to connect with Danielle and the Running on Ohm community, you can find us on runningonohm.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, in mid-October, I'm headed to work with the Yaya Girls Program in Ethiopia. I'm trying to raise $5,000 by Wednesday, September 24th, and this money will go towards funding four girls for a trimester and also pay for food, supplies, and equipment. I will be teaching English, gender empowerment, and yoga and mindfulness practices on a daily basis. It would be amazing if you could support my campaign in any way, whether that be donating $5 or sharing a link to it on your Facebook, it'll make a world of difference. To learn more and donate, check out startsomegood.com slash empoweryayagirls. If you didn't catch that, the donation link will be on the show notes on runningonohm.com. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.